Praise God. We are ready to go. So if you will find a seat, we'll jump in. As you're finding a seat, remember that today after church is our seniors lunch. You're invited. Uh, the cost is $400 if you didn't sign up in advance, $10 if you did. Uh, also remember, gentlemen, that the men's Bible study, I repeat, if you didn't hear that, the men's Bible study is starting in April. We're asking you to sign up at the back. There's a little sign-up sheet versus a big sign-up sheet, a little sign-up sheet. I'm asking for your name, your phone number, and your email address. We'll text you uh, or email you the workbook. It's digital, and it's free, so you can't beat that. That's Monday nights at Axiom Coffee, just about 1,000 feet to our west. Uh, we know the owners, so they've given us a great deal on that. And so uh, that's at 6.30 to 7.30, Monday night. Just remember, Monday night football without the football, okay? Men's Bible study, Mondays, all the Mondays in April. Remember that the ladies' Bible study, or the ladies' craft night Bible study is on uh, Tuesday nights. It'll also be at Axiom. There's a ladies' Zoom or uh, FaceTime, one of those, on the computer on Thursday nights. Uh, just some quick announcements. Uh, remember that... Um, Easter is next week. Don't forget Easter. Isn't it amazing that last year we didn't meet together at Easter? So we have something to be thankful for. We're going to celebrate Easter together next week. Um, also, after that is Membership Sunday. So if you are not a member, you'd like to be a member of our church, or if you'd just like to learn more details about what we stand for and what we believe in and the, the uh, yeah, that good stuff. That'll be the week after Easter. Now, let me just ask you a few men if you would be interested in coming up this coming Saturday. The Sunday is Easter. The day before Easter is uh, a, a baby shower, a wedding shower. Now, I would have been in trouble if I would have uh, forgot the wedding shower. That That's this Saturday. So we'll have to put up fluorescent lights, LED lights later, okay? <laughs> Gentlemen, we will not do that during the wedding shower, okay? Some side news. Did you hear that I'm going to be a grandfather times two? Did, did, did you hear that they're both expecting boys, huh? I just thought I threw that in. Let me tell you, we've got some. Sergio and Miriam. Here, Miriam brought her little baby boy. Um, boy, let me tell you, there, there's there's something going on. We Bruno and Mavi had twins, and we're so excited about that. Uh, uh, man, we just be careful about drinking that water back there in the back. We'll, we'll just say that. Isn't it great to be a part of a church and a family? Well, let's go ahead because I am so excited. I thought, how in the world can I explain it any better than what's going on the inside, being on the outside, and that's, I'm wearing a suit today. You know, I rarely do that. So that's, what, that's what's going on on the inside. I'm all excited. So let's pray. Father, thank you for the ability to be able to speak your word. And Father, not just to be hearers, but doers of your word. And Father, today as Gwen and I speak uh, your word, God, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would tailor it perfectly to the each life that is here. And Father, may they hear it and be able to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to them and, and encourage them in those areas of their life they're going through right now. In your wonderful name we pray, amen. Well, real quickly, what's going to happen is I'm going to introduce, and then Gwen's going to speak, and then I'm going to finish it up, and, and then we'll be done. But here's what I want you to understand is just to bring us all on the same page is we've been in the series called Chase the Roar, and we've been talking about this whole month, the story of David and Goliath. And if you've been in church, uh, if you've grow, grown up in church, or maybe you just came to uh, being a believer late in life, and you've probably heard the story many times, but I hope that through this series that you've been encouraged to see it a little bit different maybe than you have in the past. In, in the, the, the preface of all this message, all these messages are that when we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth 
then we ask for corresponding action. The Holy Spirit asks for that. In other words, not just to be uh, talkers, but actually doers of what we believe in our heart. Now, in this series, it is very important for you to realize of where you are to where you're going is different. Sometimes we get in a place that we get comfortable, and that's kind of a stagnant place. But I want to encourage you to see that the world around us needs believers that are full of power and love. So this morning, I'm going to ask Gwen to take and start our fourth sermon in the series, Chase the Roar, and then we're going to come back. You'll begin to hear the roar coming back in a couple months because we're going to talk about this subject today. This is the last sermon in this, this part of the series but it's really the first sermon in weeks to come. We're going to take some time and go through our identity and who God is and His identity in the, in the Easter season. But I want you to remember that because during today you're going to be hearing things that there might be some pullback. I want to give you an opportunity in the weeks to come to kind of process that. Kind of begin thinking about it. Get into Scripture yourself and begin to learn and watch what God does. Matter of fact, today is March the 28th. I want you to kind of put a, maybe a stake in the ground, maybe a, a, you write it in your memo pad on your phone or put it somewhere. As today we start and things happening in your life, if you do the things we talk about today in the Word, then you'll look back. I, I know that there's people here that'll look back and go, I remember the day that I made that choice. My life was changed, even though I didn't see it. I walked by faith. I didn't see it, taste it, touch it, feel it, all the senses, but I believed that there was something happening in my future because I put the Word of God in, in motion. Go in quick or I'm going to preach right now. So I want to talk to you a bit about hindrances to speaking God's Word. Why don't we? You know, John's going to be talking about declarations and the, the importance of declaring God's word out our mouths. So why don't we? Let's talk about some hindrances. You know, oftentimes if you've been in church for a while, you can sit in, in a church setting week after week and we know a lot of things and yet we don't act on things. I'm, I'm a church girl, so from experience I can say that if we're not careful to continually renew our minds, to, that's the work of the believer, right? Your work is not, oh, you know, I've got I've to work on, on not sinning. You know, really, you're moving on when you're in a relationship with God, and hopefully um, you can give attention knowing that he's covered your sin. You can give attention to the work of renewing your mind. So we know some things scripturally. We know some principles, but it's different to know and to believe. 1 John 1, 4, excuse me, 1 John 4, 16 qualifies this. It says, we have come to know and believe the love God has for us. It is different to know God loves you and to believe in the love of God for you completely different to have a working knowledge in that belief system who God is and then also truly believe for me his word is truth so I want to work on a couple of details here um, you know we're working on our belief system it's important for us to add to our faith faith should be something that is growing we're growing our belief system not just what we know but based on what we that solid sense of trust on the inside because troubles coming who said that Jesus did in this world you're going to have trouble so he forewarned us the reason we're working on our belief system is because trouble is in the world around us and here's what happens when those difficult circumstances, harsh situations, trouble, a bad doctor's report, uh, a conflict with family members, um, other things, uh, I didn't get that raise. When those, those situations arise, that's when we need to know God loves me. Then, it's so great when the worship team stands up here and we, we sing and we declare and we go out of here with energy. But listen, guys, we're, we're leaky vessels. We have to work on this on a regular basis. And it's a good kind of work. It's going to make you strong. It, talk about a positive addiction. 
becoming addicted to declaring what God says over my life is just amazing. So we, we want to renew our mind to that fact because trouble's coming. And when that crossroad comes and there's a bad report, there's something that happens in, in our lives, disappointment, things that cause sorrow, that's when our belief system, what we have been doing, this is why we want to declare God's word when things are great. You want to have your time with the Lord even when things are going well because you're working on building something, building a life, building a life of faith. Mark 4.37 gives us a really great look um, at the disciples in a situation where they had been with Jesus and Jesus had been preaching that day. Um, so he'd been preaching to the masses and they were right there hearing him in person so Jesus said, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. They did get in the boat, and on the way there, on the way there, a storm arose. Trouble, trouble came. A storm arose, and the disciples began to be in fear and probably trying to get the boat out of the, uh, the water out of the boat and just frightening circumstances. Maybe they were feeling like our lives are looming in the balance here. And so they run to the back of the boat where Jesus was sleeping and listen to what they said. They awoke him and said, do you not care? Do you not care that we are perishing? You see, your circumstances come to say to you, God doesn't care. When we're talking about the love of God, here's the deal. Here's the deciding factor. Not only, oh yeah, I believe God loves me. Why? Because as Christians, we know he died on the cross for us. Jesus died on the cross. But it has to go deeper than that. If he's a loving God, we have to believe in his goodness and that he will act on our behalf. That's what the declaration is all about. That's what declaring his promises and his word are about. It's coming to a place where we not only, yes, I know Jesus died on the cross for me. No, but today when the storm hits, today when my child is sick, today when I have a negative doctor's report, I believe he's good enough to act on my behalf. He will take action. You know, I think the problem with us believing in the love of God oftentimes and why we need to renew our minds to the fact is that oftentimes people throw, the world around us throws love around very casually. And maybe people have told you, maybe you had a dad who told you he loved you and then by the time you're about 18 years old you had such rejection in your life. You had all this rejection. With well, that father figure is going to be one that you carry with you if you're not careful and you'll think that's who God is. Maybe you had a parent in your life that they provided a roof over your head, but they were really irritated with you most of the time. If we don't renew our minds to what God says about his character and about his goodness, we will carry those things. Maybe someone said you were stupid. You see, the... the the thing that we've got to counter are these thoughts that come our way on a regular basis and they breed unbelief in our life. We think, yeah, I know God loves me, but do you know he thinks you're smart? Do you know he likes you just like you are? Or are you hearing things like you're stupid? See, we, don't, we just would hear that and think, oh, yeah, well, I've lived with that all my life. And it's so common place that we don't realize we're carrying around baggage and, and things in our life that make us believe that God is not good and that God, is, he doesn't love us. So really, I think one of the major hindrances to walking in the faith that we need to walk in and declaring his word, we'll see good things in his word. Maybe you'll see something about, he desires above all things that I prosper and walk in health, even as my soul prospers. And we might think, well, yeah, but, you know, I'm poor, so he surely doesn't, doesn't really, you know, I've got all this lack in my life. That, that doesn't apply to me. We don't want to stop there. We want to say, that's what his word says. I'm going to declare it out my mouth. That's a time to pray. Here's what prayer sounds like in that circumstance. Not this. Oh, God, you see how poor I am. No, but to say, Father, your word says you want to prosper me. I declare you love me so much that you want to take care of my bills. You know, get specific. I, I know you love me so much. You want me free of debt. I know you love me so much. You're working in the hearts of my children to turn them to you. 
those declarations are what we need to speak when we come to the crossroads and there's a negative report there's a bad situation when trouble comes we declare thank you let me tell you Gwen is an encourager to me in, in watching again what comes out of my mouth and that's what you need as a husband or a wife in your life or a friend that will remind you of the truth of God. Hopefully just now, when, when I'm speaking this, that was not a criticism to you, but you do have a husband or wife that will encourage you or a friend. And I want you to understand it's so important to have somebody in your life. If you do not, that's why, again, one point of coming to church is to have somebody that you hear the word of God from. Th this morning, as I, I begin, again, believing in our heart, confessing with our mouth, and then corresponding action. If I would title this part of my message, I, I want to title it this, Ready for the Giant Thief. The Bible says in John 10.10, 10, a thief only, this is the Passion Translation, puts a little bit into it. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. Now Jesus says it this way, but I've come. Hey, good news, that, that's pretty bad. The thief comes to do all that, but there's good news. I have come, listen to what he says. It's very important. But I have come to give you everything in abundance. There's even better news. Give you everything in abundance, more than you expect. Life in its fullness until it overflows. Now, now, the word expect, I'm going to visit several times during this message. Because some of us need to work on our expector. We, we've got it so low that we don't want to be disappointed. And we know disappointment is unfulfilled expectation. So we dumb down that. We get it down there. Well, I don't need much. Hmm. I don't need much. I just, do you remember those songs that we used to sing? You, you, re, you realize that Lisa, we call as a worship leader, but really she's a declaration leader. She's declaring as we're singing those songs over our life how much God loves us. We're, we're making it a declaration out of our mouth. We're declaring it. Now, let me ask you this. Do you, do you believe that we have an enemy? If you believe that, and I'm not talking about everything blaming on Lucy, fur, you know what I'm talking about. Because we, we have a tendency to go out of balance, you know, we go looking for demons behind every bush, and then there's no such thing as a devil. And But there is an enemy, and, and we realize it's not our husband and our wife or that work associate. The Bible says we do not... Struggle. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against really the devil. So, so realizing that puts us in a different mindset as a believer. We're, we're not naive. We're not ignorant. So let me remind you that we all have a belief system, even if you're working on it or not. As a believer, your belief system should be based on the word of God. The things that God is, we've already said, God, come into my heart, forgive me of my sins. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Not just Savior so I can keep from hell, but Lord of my life so that you direct and guide me. So our belief system is based on the things of the word of God. Everybody with me on that? Out of our belief system, we make choices. So, you know, the fork in the road, do I choose this or do I choose that? Comes out of our belief system. Now, this is very important to understand that those choices will put you in experiences. Mm. Those experiences, we have to be careful, we have to watch out about. Now, think about it. Those experiences that we've made our choices out of our experience, because those experiences will come back to confirm those belief systems, the belief system in our life, or it will deny it, it doesn't work, or it will compromise it. Well, I did the things of God, but it doesn't always work, so here's what I believe. I compromise it. And so many times, that's what our expectations have done. We begin to get them lower and lower. Well, God says he'd do all that, but not for me. 
Now, if we're not careful, we'll try the Word of God. We'll say, my belief system's on the Word of God. I'm going to do this. And we get, I'm here to pump you up. Sometimes you go to church and you think, you know, you're, you, you girly men. You know, remember that skit with her? Yeah, anyway. And we get all excited and we try. And something that we thought God said, was it didn't work. I believe, as Mark Twain said, not a theologian, but his truth. He said, if a cat sits on a hot stove, he won't sit on a stove again, but he won't sit not just on a hot stove, but no sto- stove. He's not going to do it. I've met people like that. You speak faith to them and they go, that don't, it's just overwhelming you talking like that. Blessings coming in my life and all that. Okay, so here, here's what I want you to see. And, and again, this, this is revelation in my life. There, there's a new thinking that has to take place. Because we all desire what the Word of God says, that He has come to give us life to the full, to the overflow. We desire life in its fullness. Is there anybody here that would just want to be miserable all your life? You got something wrong with you? I'll talk to you afterwards if you raise your hand. Everybody wants life in the fullness. Everybody wants the state of mind, the state change to get to the fullness. I want all that you have for me. Now listen, as believers, we're walking through life. Hear me. This this is what I, I got for you. Here's what the word of God, here's what I feel like this week God said, make sure they hear this. I don't know how to pump it up. Woo! Remember this moment right here. When a problem is encountered, you got a problem with the work associate, you got a problem with your wife, husband, you got uh, money problems, you got, a call goes out for a solution. I've got to have a solution. I can't stay in this state of mind, this painful state. A call goes out for a solution. I need a solution. And if a solution isn't found, listen, in an allowable time, you define the allowable time. It could be a month, it could be a year. Some people can't wait five minutes. i got to have it now or I'm done. I'm changing my belief system. But a call goes out if a solution isn't found in an allowable time. Watch this. A diversion is constructed. I'll go back to that. Has anybody ever seen like that, that pipe I had up here that last week where it was it burst in one spot because at my house it, it froze and boom right there? You remember that? Has anybody saw like a, a, a tire maybe on your car, hopefully not on your car, where it had a bubble on it because it popped? The problem was so strong at that point, it was causing an excursion, a a pop-out. Something had to give. Some of us have gotten in a place where we've encountered a problem and a call's going out. I need an answer. Now, first of all, we ask our brain and our heart, is there an answer to this? If an answer is not found, a solution is not found in an allowable time, watch this, a diversion is constructed. Uh, constructed. Now listen, the diversion isn't the answer, but it is a temporary but immediate state change. I need an answer. So we construct a diversion. It's not the answer. It's temporary, but it's Right now, it's immediate. I can feel better right now. This is where excuses come in. We, one of the diversions is an excuser. You know, I, I will I tell you why I can't do that. Out of this time of constructing a diversion, addictions take place. Denial, anger, mood swings. Are you hearing me? In the middle of our problem, if we're not careful, that there's a problem that takes place and we need an answer now. If we're not, and whenever that time period, you know the Bible says in James, and sometimes doesn't that guy in James just make you mad at him? When he says stuff like, rejoice in all trials and tribulations. 
because it's in the working of your faith, that patience, that's allowing that to mature so that you'll be perfect and lacking nothing. But there's something more that has to be done during that time of waiting because in that allowable time, wherever your breaking point is, you're saying, i got to have a solution. So let me ask you. What's going on in your life right now? And maybe some of us have already created that diversion. Maybe we've created it a month ago, six months ago, five years ago. And we know it's temporary. Nobody gets an addiction or a denial or excuse given knowing that that's the answer. We know that. But it does change the pain that we're going through and give us a diversion away from it. What's in your life right now? If God hasn't revealed it, I, I just ask him, God, what is this that I'm doing that I know is a diversion? Now, now some people will get mad because the word of God, they, they, during these times they want to stay away from the word of God because it, the word of God will bring light and truth into the situation. And it is so embarrassing to be deceived and then not know it, but later you... But if you get in the Word of God, it, the Word of God brings light. The Word of God is a, a lamp into my feet, a light into my path. Uh, it, it's like somebody getting mad at somebody that takes a... You, you take a flashlight up in an attic and you start shining it over the stuff. You go, look at all this junk and all this dust. Flashlight, what did you do to me? The flashlight didn't cause all that. It just revealed it. Now, now watch this. As we're talking about the whole series of David and Goliath and all the, the confessions today, watch this. Jesus said this. If you remain in me, here, here's the key, and my words remain in you, well, let me say that again, because some of you have heard that for the first time. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Now, now we go, all right, belief system. i got to remain in his words to let his words be my words coming out of my mouth. And then we get to that next part. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done. Well, I don't know if I believe that, because I, I, you know, I don't know if he's a genie, and just ask anything. Don't we go and do something like that? It's, chances are, the pain has come in your life, and you've asked for God to, to work in your life in a mighty way, and you didn't see the solution fast enough, and you said, God doesn't work. He doesn't work like that. And we come up with the audacity to let that come out of our mouth and tell other believers that. Before long, it's a culture that develops in a church or in the church world universe. Well, God just don't work that way. He doesn't heal anymore. That was just for the disciples' time period. I'm preaching a lot better than you're acting right now. I'm just telling you that. Again, when a problem occurs, a call for a solution goes out. You say, well, what, 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 why declarations? Why is it so important? Listen, confession, you can say it is a declaration. When you declare something out of your mouth, when you watch what comes out of your mouth, a declaration over your life will move you. It will put you in motion. We know that it will begin to do something in your life called anybody, anybody? Transformation. When you allow your body to God to be a living sacrifice, God, I'm, I'm on your altar. Just, what, what is it? Let, let me read your word. You talk to me. That You're my belief system. The word, we know that, we've got this up here, we, I quote it about every week. 
the words in our life will change our thinking, but it'll change our destiny. Words, not just God's word, every, everybody talking. So if the culture is God doesn't work like that, it moves you, it puts you in motion. But here's what's hard. Ready? It has a sense of accountability. When it comes out of your mouth, I believe that God can do all things in my life and watch me, the corresponding action, believe that. You know why people don't go around telling their friends, I'm going to lose 10 pounds this year. You watch me. Because they know there's accountability in that. Come December, they go, you better lay off that eggnog. You got about nine and a half pounds to go, buddy. That's why it's hard sometimes to watch what comes out of our mouth. I don't want to be held accountable. Now watch this. When we get in that place, we're in a survival mode. And it's very reactive. You know, we're in a survival mode, so we got our, you know, whatever happens, I'll be ready for it, I guess. I'll wait until it happens. But listen, when you are in a declaration mode, when you get up in the morning and you're declaring things over your life, you're in a proactive mode. Your spiritual antenna is up and your radar is on. Now, now, some of you that are here are going, well, I don't know if I believe in that declaration. Let me say another word. Here's a church word. Prayer. All right, everybody's back. Okay, good. I believe in prayer. Grandma believed in prayer. She's a prayer warrior. I believe in prayer. But so many times, we don't pray right. We pray the problem. We get more in agreement with the enemy that's come to steal, kill, and destroy than we do in agreement with God that says, I've come to give you more than you expect. God, I tell you what, the things that are going on in my life, I don't think it will ever change, and I'm just going to be this way all my life. God says, who you been listening to? I didn't say that. Do you know that aromatic word for prayer is? Anybody? Brianna, be quiet. <laughs> Slotha. Slotha. Now, you might be thinking slow, but really in that aromatic word for prayer, it means to set a trap. This is what I want you to remember. When you declare, if you, if you want to call it prayer, confessing in your prayer, declaring over your life with strong prayer, lining up with the word of God, you're setting a trap for every opportunity that comes in your path that lines up with that declaration that you've spoken over your life. It primes you. It, it puts your mind in set to begin to look long and expect. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, as you know, is one of my favorite verses. And in the Amplified Version, it says that God, this is just, it's too good to be true to some people and they can't even, God, look, he lifts himself up to look for opportunities to be gracious to you. And it says, blessed is the man, universal, the person, who looks long and expects. In the Amplified, it goes through it. Looks long and expects for God's victories, his love, his joy, and his unmatchless companionship. So you're blessed when you're coming out. I don't know what's happening today, but I'm looking long and expecting for God to be gracious. Hey, wait just a minute. I got someone calling to be gracious to me right here. Favors on my life. You begin to confess that out of your mouth. You begin to look long and expect. But how many of us do that? Come on. It is so counterintuitive. It, 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 it's one of those things that when you hear somebody doing that too much, you want to go, would you please be quiet? Because of the culture that we've been in for so long is being cynical. You can watch a very seemingly, seemingly harmless show on TV. And part of the humor 
is the cynical part of it. Not just to call out one, but everyone loves Raymond. That's a family show, prime time. Man, I tell you what, they're putting zingers in each other so quick and so fast. The wife says, you know, she's arguing with her husband and she's, you know, she's an elderly lady. And she goes, I'm tired of being a trophy wife, which is, brr, you know, everybody laughs. And he goes, I don't know what kind of contest I won. Brr, you know. The confessions that's coming out of your mouth. Do you, do you understand that when we begin to set a trap for God, opportunities come in our life? That what you're doing is, if you're not doing that, if you're not confessing that, if you're not actually, hey, reminding yourself every morning, John, wake up. I'm not just talking about when I get out of bed. I'm talking about all through that morning system that we've got going. You know what I'm talking about. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. You get up and do the same thing every morning. If you don't have something in your in your system in the morning reminding you to look long and expect today, what you do is you become opportunity blind and your expectations are confirmed, God doesn't do much in my life. Here's, I, I, I debate that there's always new people, so I want to repeat this. The reticular activating system is actually a neurological, cognitive, scientific thing that proves this. God made us this way. It's the RAS, rectangular aiding, so razzing. You need to razz yourself and wake up your rectangular activating. I'm pretty smart I can say that word. But anyway, it, it, it's, let me remind you. It, it's the thing that when you buy a cell phone, when you buy clothes, when you buy a vehicle, and you think, man, I think that looks pretty good. Nobody else has that. And, and you can be in a public situation and the phone rings and it's got your phone, phone ringtone, you know, so you're, where, where is that phone? Is that my phone? It, it, it reminds you of your phone. Have you ever had a, a piece of clothing, shirt, pants, dress, whatever you, and you showed up and somebody else had one on, <laughs> the same thing? It's funny because that's embarrassing to ladies for guys. We think, hey, that's pretty cool. Look at that. Hey. I used the example of the black truck because when I bought my, my first brand new vehicle, it was a black truck. And I thought, wow, that looks sharp. Nobody has a black truck. I rolled it out of the drive of the dealership, and all of a sudden I thought, what? When did all you people buy those black trucks? Because now I was sensitive of looking for something that I wasn't before. Again, low expectations are a byproduct of prayerlessness or declarationless going on in your life. Low expectations. The more prayer, the more time that I declare things over my life, the more I expect to take place in my life. They're the things that get noticed. In, in a rectangular activating system, we have thousands, literally, of thoughts going through our brains every day. Every day. And the RAS regulates what gets noticed and what doesn't get noticed. So what we're trying to do when we're declaring the word of God over our life is making sure that we notice when God comes into our life and presents an opportunity. Now watch this. This is, this is what's so awesome. I believe David revealed in the word of God that confession, declarations, prayer was a part of his schedule every morning. Some of you need to prove this to yourself tomorrow so you need to write down this passage, Psalms 5, verse 3. Psalms 5, verse 3. Now listen to this. It says, In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. 
One translation, I think it's the Passion Translation, that says this, and I wait for fire to fall on my heart. I'm looking, after I say my declaration, I'm looking then for those opportunities to come and to be revealed to me. That's what I want in our life as believers. Now, let's go to now what we've been talking about, David and Goliath, and we'll start wrapping this up. I've been studying this and I'm looking at this. And, and here's David, and, and he's, we know he's a young man, and he's out in the field keeping his father's sheep. The things that he is doing out there, we have no idea. We can just conjecture, think that he's probably practicing his sling, you know. Well, look at there, that tree. All right, that's, that's a bad guy. All right, look at that one. You know, he's trying. If he's a boy like guys, you remember. He had to do behind his back, under his leg, you know, all those different. It's the bottom of the ninth inning of the World Series, you know. It's the fourth quarter with 60 seconds left on the clock, and David has got to take the team anyway. But what we do know is that he is learning his skill as a slinger and also that he's got a skill later that we know that he has to be perfecting here while he's on the field. And that is that he was a musician. Not only could he sing, but he would write songs. Now see, we we hear him as psalms, you know. But here's David, and he writes a psalm. Watch this. We're talking about him as a young man setting a habit in his life of declaration. Before he comes to the battlefield and he faces Goliath, and he says the words that I I think one of the most powerful things of the whole story is that he says, as a young guy, all these soldiers... Don't let anybody lose heart on his account. I will take care of it. I love that. I love that. Not only was he confident that he could kill, but nobody on the mountainside of his own team would kill him after saying that. But here's some thought. Now think about this. David is out there on the field keeping his father's sheep and he's writing songs. He begins to learn. Before he goes to the battlefield, something happens right after Samuel comes and says, I've come to anoint one of your sons to be the next king. Saul is the king at this time. And, and, you know, Jesse, the story, he brings out all of his sons and he goes, none of these. Is there not anybody else? And, yeah, well, I got this guy out on the... Bring him in. We're not even going to sit down. I don't know how far he was out, but can you imagine them waiting? They bring David in, anoint him to be king. Samuel anoints him to be king. He begins to walk in that identity, and I have to believe that he begins to write psalms to get his identity to line up with what God has spoken over him. And we call it our dream Sometimes we call it in sermons our purpose in life. But when he gets what God has talked about to him, this is your anointed as king. He begins to walk in that. That's the first part of 16 of 1 Samuel. You go down, the whole David and Goliath is in chapter 17. But there's something that happens in the bottom of 16 before the David and Goliath story. It just so happens that the king in power, Saul, has what is called a tormenting spirit. We don't know if it's a demonic. We we know that it's harmful. And and one of the servants of Saul says, hey, let's see if anybody's a musician that can come in and play, you know, and and be musical and and sing and, and calm him down. Now, if you're a servant to a mad king, it doesn't take long to come up with that idea. 
the word goes out, somebody says, hey, I know somebody. We, we overlook this so much. We don't, some of us that have been church all leg don't even know this part. Somebody said, I know somebody. Can I just take a minute here off of this? Do you realize that when Joseph came and his life was changed, it was in the same situation when somebody said, I know somebody that can interpret dreams. And one of the servants of Saul says, I know somebody. He's a young, good-looking guy that can play. So, okay, okay, go get him. Now, remember, this is before Goliath. And they bring in David, and he begins to play. Now, this is at the end of 16. I I want you to see this. It says, David came to Saul and entered into his service Saul liked him very much. All these gonna descriptive parts of it, I, I think the reason why he's liking him is because of his spirit. Have you ever been around somebody that you could honestly say, I like them? Was it somebody that came in and goes, You let me let me sing a song to you and it'll make you feel better. You're ugly and you're worthless. I, I tell you, you gotta watch that. Country music, they can sometimes get falling off on that side. <laughs> she shot my dog and she ran over my toad and uh, toad, you know. So, so anyway, would you say that you are encouraged by somebody that sings like that? Too? No. Or somebody that does has a bad spirit. We're bringing you in, dude. You better lighten the spirit. It says, David came to Saul and he entered into his service. Saul liked him very much. And David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, that's David's father, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Again, I think it's because of his confessions. Whenever the Spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come. Relief would come to Saul. He would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. Now, I have to believe, and I did some research, and you can do the research on the the Psalms and who wrote them because David didn't write them all. But he wrote one that they believe was during this time that he was playing to Saul, or he had already written, and he was singing it during this time. What did he play for Saul? Now listen to this. Many theologians think it's Psalms chapter 8. Let me just give you the highlights. Remember, this is before Goliath. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens through the praises of children and infants. You have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. And he goes on and he ends that Psalms by saying one more time, just in case you forgot it, Saul, just in case David forgot it, he's singing... Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the world. Now, ready? Sookie, sookie, here we go. 1 Samuel 17, the battle is raging. He's gone down to fight Goliath. He has been saying his confessions. Everybody's saying, you can't do that. You're too little. Come on back here. Okay, then try on this. He says, no, I'm not even going to use that stuff. I'm a slinger. I don't think that little guy, his armor bearer, can get that shield up to his forehead. And I'm aiming for that dude's head. But all that, and what does he say to Goliath before Goliath blinks once and dies in the dark? What does he say? Come on now. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the... 
Get out of here. In the name of the Lord. Against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head and play kickball with I mean, you go into anything you want, but he's going to be over. Now, how does he get a giant God-sized opportunity? Because of his confessions. Oh, Lord, how majestic is your name. God, there's, there's no enemy that can stand against you. He's confessing that. He's out there looking at that sheep. Get back in line. Okay. Oh, majestic is... And he's practicing his sling, and he's singing, Oh, Lord, how majestic is your name. And Then he gets called to the palace, and he's, he's comforting the king, and he's singing, Oh, Lord, how majestic is your name. And he comes on the battlefield and some big devil is down there yelling against the name of God. And he says, oh no. <laughs> Isn't there a cause? Isn't there somebody that sees this? Don't lose heart on him. Fast forward all the way. Jesus has come and died on the cross. Paul is establishing some of the early churches, and one of them is Ephesians. And he says to those early Christians that are sitting there, and they're going, man, it's tough out there. Paul is saying this, ever since I've heard that you love God, you made him your commitment, he says, here's what I've been praying, that you would get the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you would wake up, that you would... Allow your eyes to open. Why? So that you might know God better. That you might know. Watch this. He, he goes on to say this. That you might know him better. I pray that your eyes of your heart may be enlightened. In order that you may know the hope. We just came through the whole series on hope. You can't have faith without hope. Faith is being sure of the things we hope for. So that you might have and know the hope to which you have been called. That he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in, the, in his holy people. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same. Not kind of like it, maybe a little bit. Comp no, it is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority. This is who we serve. This is our God, Jesus. For above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name. That is evoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet. Whose feet? Jesus. And appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now, why is that so important to go on and talk about Jesus? Because Jesus has said things about you. And he has all authority in all the earth to say them. It's up to you to believe them. And by confessing out of your mouth and declaring things, I'll say this many times because many times it's thought. Pastor, I feel foolish when I declare things over my life. Aren't you glad that God already answered that? He takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. We're going to pass out some confessions. A few gentlemen would help me do this. So this was what I'm asking. We're going to wrap this up in 30 seconds or two minutes. And what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to pass out confessions. And here's what I'm going to ask you. This is a new day. March 28th. The day that we had the seniors' lunch. We could look back on that. It's Mark's birthday. If you forget, well, Mark, when's your birthday again? March 20th. It's the week before Easter. What, what, this is the day that I declare over your life 
things begin to change. A breakthrough happens. We can overcome every Goliath, listen, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I got on there to set your tongue on the right course here. Ten giant killing declarations that will sling a stone in the forehead of the giant you're facing and set you up for promotion. Declaring these over your life and in the morning when you declare them, you begin to look long and expect, God, this is your word. Some of you haven't received one yet, but I'm going to read number one. The favor of God is over my life and brings me promotion and increase. Well, pastor, that kind of sounds like that new age. New age, fortune cookies, all that stuff is all replicas and knockoffs of what God said to do. That's right. It goes on to say, His favor is restoring everything the enemy has stolen from me and producing honor in the midst of my adversary. There's some passages there. And, and declare that over your life. Say, God, I believe it. I believe business owners in here will begin to experience prosperity in their business. There's... Families that are going to experience prosperity. There, there's people that are going through sickness that's going to experience prosperity. That's wholeness in every area of your life. Oh, I know that it... it, it. Okay, let's, let's wait. We're going to get into this about a month or so from now, more and more. Take that and process that. If you're not a... Uh, whatever, a friend, if you aren't part of the chapel group, I encourage you to do that. You'll, you'll get those uh, Bible studies during the day. Dustin puts a lot of those on there. And then there'll be periodically confessions and stuff like that, declarations on there. To, to just change your routine in the morning. Raise your expectations. Well, Pastor, won't I be more disappointed if I start expecting more? You like where you are right now? All right, let's go on, let's go on, let's go on, let's go on. I'm, I'm not even a senior and I'm getting hungry. All right, let, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, you are a gracious Father. And Father, your word says that your mercies are new every morning. God, we know that your mercies, your favor, your forgiveness is new every morning. That, Father, when we have sinned, when we have messed up, when we have done something horrible, God, not to minimize that, but, God, you said if we confess our sins, again, believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth and corresponding action, Father, that we will be forgiven. That doesn't mean we have to go 30 days, 90 days. God, we are forgiven right then. Father, I pray life into our people at this church that we would begin to see our lives that are not, not because they're terrible. God, we are so blessed right now in America where we are. But God, I pray that we would begin to see that we can be influencers for the kingdom of God with the people that are around us. That we can bring light, we can bring salt into this world. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Remember, we'll have seniors uh, having lunch afterwards. We have a setup team, I believe. The men's Bible studies on Monday nights. Every Monday night in April, there's a sign-up sheet. The women's Bible studies are on Tuesday night and Thursday night. And then Easter is next week and the week after Easter is membership. If you have a short memory, you've been reminded twice. Also, remember on the way out, you can give in the offering plate, and then you can give online. We even had people drive by and drop it off in the uh, mailbox. So any way that you'd like to get, give, feel free to do that. Thank you for coming today. When we let you go in a few minutes, when I let you dismiss, then go get them. Begin to say right over your life right now, the quicker the better.
God, I know that all things are possible through you who give me strength. Why don't you stand? There's something about a church. If you don't stand, you can't go. I don't know what that's about. But anyway, now you can go. You're dismissed.